Kaylee Humphreys is very clear about what she loves the most about bobsledding. The most thrilling moment for me is crossing the finish line in the final run of the race, looking at the clock and seeing a little number one, knowing you won the race and like you stayed in your number one position. She loves to win. And I like winning by a lot. Like some people are like, it's so thrilling when, you know, the races are tight. I'm like, no, I hate those. I like when I'm like two seconds ahead and there is not a question and I nailed everything perfectly and I just smoke everybody. That's what I like. Smoking everybody is not uncommon for Kaylee Humphreys. Truth be told, few people have ever meant to a sport what Kaylee Humphreys means to women's bobsledding. She's won two gold medals at the Olympics and one bronze. She's won five world championships. In 2014, she won the Lou Marsh Award, given annually to Canada's top athlete. One of Kaylee's most recent golds was for the 2021 Monobob World Championship. It was the first time the event, where women sled as individuals instead of teams of two, was part of the competition. Per usual, Kaylee dominated. Kaylee always seemed to be pulling away, beating other competitors by a landslide. But when she won that particular gold, she was no longer competing for her home country, Canada. She was there representing Team USA. Kaylee had competed for Canada for her entire career. But in 2017, the team hired a new coach. And according to Kaylee, everything changed. She told us that bullying, psychological abuse, and physical intimidation became the norm on her team. Kaylee had to get out. I started to lose myself, and it's a little bit humiliating because I I pride myself in being very strong. I pride myself in being a very strong female athlete that has achieved a lot. Don't get me wrong, I, I fought as hard as I could in regards to standing up for myself, but there was points when I would go home and just cry. Kaylee told us that she endured these circumstances for a year, but eventually she had to make a change. She told her bosses that it was either her or her abusive coach. He kept his job and the greatest female bobsledder in Canadian history packed up and left Team Canada. When I sat down with Kaylee, the Olympics were just three months away. And yet, she had no idea if she'd be able to compete as a member of Team USA. That's because when it comes to the Olympics, switching teams can get complicated. Ideas of nationality, citizenship, and fairness in competition get jumbled together. And for people in situations like Kaylee's, there's no clear path. And that put her ability to compete in Beijing in serious jeopardy. I don't have my passport yet on the U.S. side. I'm working on it. It is one of the qualifications to compete at the Games. Um, I'm in process. My application has been submitted. It's processing and has been for a long time. It's just I'm up against the clock. Kaylee never doubted that leaving Canada was the right choice. But would that choice mean that Kaylee, one of the greatest bobsledders of all time, would never compete in the Olympics again? I'm Molly Bloom, and this is Torched, a show about the heat of competition and what the greatest athletes would lose to win. This season is about controversies and scandals on the biggest world stage, the Olympics. 
And this episode is about a world-class athlete whose decision to leave a toxic team environment put her future as an Olympian in jeopardy. How does it feel to change nationalities when the country you're leaving behind considers you an icon? When is it acceptable for an athlete to leave one nation to compete for another? And is switching teams against the ideals of sportsmanship that the Olympics stand for? Or does it make those ideals stronger? Kaylee wasn't focused on bobsled when she was a kid. Born in Calgary to two athletes, her mom played soccer in the Pan American Games, and her dad was a rugby player. Kaylee played just about every sport under the sun. From track to softball to badminton, sport was in her blood and in the air she breathed. She especially loved to ski. Growing up, the mountains, the Rocky Mountains were right there. I went to the Lake Louise downhill every year from when I was a kid till when I can remember. And that's what I wanted to go to the Olympics and do. When she was seven years old, Kaylee met Mark Tewksbury, a swimmer and another Calgary native who'd won a silver medal in the 1988 Olympics. Not long after she met him, Kaylee watched him in the finals of the men's 100-meter backstroke at the 92 Olympics in Barcelona. It is between Russ and Tewksbury. Here comes Mark Tewksbury to the final five meters. Russ and Tewksbury. It's going to go to the wall and on the wall. He's done it! Olympic record! The dream lives! Seven-year-old Kaylee was impressed. You meet somebody and then you watch him on TV. And I got to watch him win a gold medal on TV. And just the feeling of like, I could tell what he was feeling, what his emotions were, how excited he was, how the country rallied behind him. Just having friends and family in the room, their reactions to him winning a medal gave me a special feeling, and I thought, this is what I want. This is what I want to achieve, too. Kaylee wasn't the most popular kid. She had a loving, supportive family, but from an early age, she felt different from the kids around her. But she always felt good when she was competing. I just kind of went to the beat of my own drum. But sports was always something for me that I felt most comfortable in. It's where I felt like I could really express myself. As an athlete, as a female, I felt the most comfortable. It allowed me to, you know, play into my intensity and my focus and a bit of that masculine energy. Kaylee got seriously into ski racing. She was good, but she remained an outsider. I mean, the amount of chairlifts I rode by myself, where you'd be standing in line with everybody and then no one would move forward except for you. And you know it's very purposeful in regards to they'll load up a chairlift with five people but let you go by yourself. Um, I would have jello shoved in my sleeping bag as a kid. You know, you go to go to sleep at night and surprise, there's a whole bunch of jello. And then that led to hours worth of trying to clean and trying to have conversations with the parents or the adults that are there as to like, why is this happening to me? And it's um, it, it leads to... I mean, just questions as to, am I different? Why am I different? Why don't they like me? I would like to think bullying doesn't happen, whether it's in sports or in school or just in life in general, but unfortunately it does. And I definitely was a victim of that growing up. Kaylee learned at a young age that there were in-groups and out-groups in life. She realized that there was a price to pay for defying people's expectations especially as a girl whose athletic prowess set her apart. She excelled in ski racing, 
but around the time she was 16, Kaylee had multiple serious accidents on the slopes and broke both her legs. As someone who's also suffered a traumatic ski injury, I can tell you that coming back from something like that is unbelievably hard. It can lead you to question just about everything. Am I not good enough? Am I sure I want to do this? And what if the next accident is even worse? Kaylee got back on the slopes and back to racing, an impressive feat. But once she did, she found it impossible to ski the way that she did before her injuries. I'd be on on the track, on the course racing, and I would just check, little checks here and there just to slow myself down. And I couldn't help it. And I could never override that fear and that feeling in order to do what was necessary to be the fastest. Kaylee wasn't winning races, races she knew she could have won before the accidents. But she still had this drive. She wanted to go to the Olympics, to win at the Olympics. So for a teenage Kaylee Humphreys, rather than giving up the dream she'd already broken both her legs chasing, it was a matter of finding something else that she could be really, really good at. She didn't have to look far. In Calgary itself, we have the bobsled track from the 88 Olympics, the cool running track. And so I had trained in the gym with other bobsledders around and I had seen them and I thought, well, they are very strong. I've got big, strong legs. Maybe I could be good at it. And I just, I literally went to Google and went online and looked up, is there like a camp? How do you try out to be a bobsledder? And it pulled up the whole list of here's some tryouts, here's some dates. And my dad drove me down and I just tried out. You're probably familiar with bobsledding, even if only from Cool Runnings, the movie Kaylee mentioned about the Jamaican bobsled team. Early bobsleds were basically just sleds, but today they look like miniature rocket ships. They're sleek and aerodynamic, made from fiberglass and steel. Teams compete one at a time, rocketing along a track in a sled built for one, two, or four people. The feeling is very unique. I can't really describe it. It's not like a roller coaster. Don't think roller coaster. It is... I got to go in a fighter jet once, and the G-force I felt there was the closest thing I felt in regards to bobsled. Everyone's responsible for pushing the bobsled at first, getting off to the fastest possible start. Then they all pile into the sled. In four-man bobsledding, the two people in the middle are basically along for the ride once they've helped with the start. At the back is the brakeman, who stops the sled at the end of the race. The brakeman and the pushers spend most of the race with their heads tucked and pressed against their teammate's back. Kaylee started out as a brakeman, but she felt called to be a pilot. I don't blame her. The pilot is the only one on the team who actually gets to see the race. The pilot steers the sled, and once everyone's jumped in, their fate is in the pilot's hands. So a typical track is about a mile and a half long. We go anywhere from 80 to 100 miles an hour. Um, every track around the world is very different. So no two tracks are the same. Some have bigger corners that are three stories tall. Some are small little corners that just kind of like whip on and off really fast. The amount of corners, the G-force that you pull on each of those corners as a bobsled pilot, I have to visualize and be prepared for every single track around the world in every single turn. And sometimes I have a point that's two inches long that I have to hit going 100 miles an hour. At the Olympics, you have four runs to hit your marks. You see the track for maybe 44 runs and then you got to compete on it. And the best person at the Olympics is the one that sorted it out the best and is the most consistent. 
A pilot has to steer their sled with an almost unfathomable degree of precision. Races are won or lost by hundreds of seconds, by fractions of inches. Kaylee was very fast, very strong, and a very good pilot. And unlike ski racing, she couldn't get in her own way and slow herself down. So once you're in that sled, you're going and you're either going to crash or you're going to figure it out. And I think this is right. I can't check myself. There's no way to slow yourself down. You just have to go and sort it out on the way down. After only three years in the sport, Kaylee had worked her way onto Team Canada as an alternate for the 2006 Winter Olympics. It was during this time that Kaylee, who was born Kaylee Simonson, met and married Dan Humphreys, a British bobsledder who did compete at the 2006 Games. Article 41 of the Olympic Charter states that an athlete can compete for any country of which they are a citizen. When she married a Brit, Kaylee gained the option of becoming a British citizen, which would have made her eligible for Team Great Britain. Foreign-born athletes compete for Britain all the time. Legendary British runner Mo Farrow, for example, was born in Somalia. As Kaylee waited anxiously for her U.S. citizenship, without which she wouldn't be able to compete in Beijing, it was tempting to wonder what would have happened if she had left Team Canada all those years ago and found a new home. But at the time, she was happy on her team, and her Olympic dream was just getting started. Four years after being named an alternate, Kaylee's Olympic moment finally came. At the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, on her native soil, Kaylee piloted a two-woman team consisting of herself and brakeman Heather Moise to a first-place finish and Olympic gold. Now she knew what Mark Tewksbury had been feeling all those years ago when she watched him at the Barcelona Games. It is, it's very overwhelming. So take every emotion and feeling, put it all into one, and you kind of just stand there for a minute. It definitely, you're so happy. You're so excited. You cannot believe at the same point that this has happened. You're relieved. I think that's one emotion people don't assume that occurs, that it all worked. Like, holy crap, it just, yep, that happened. It kept happening. Kaylee won the 2012 World Championship at Lake Placid, the first time a Canadian women's bobsled team had ever done so. On the 2012-2013 World Cup circuit, she and brakeman Chelsea Valois finished on the podium in all nine races, winning their first five in a row. She stretched her streak to 15 straight podiums the following season, winning her second straight World Cup title. In 2014, Kaylee was with Team Canada for the Sochi Olympics. The track in Sochi was what Kaylee referred to as a starter's track, where the advantage went to the team that could start the quickest. Kaylee and her brakeman, Moise, faced tough competition from their American rivals, Elena Myers and Lauren Williams. The Americans consistently started better than Kaylee and her teammate. But in the end, even on this track, it came down to Kaylee's steering. Kaylee and Moise won by a tenth of a second, becoming the first women ever to win back-to-back golds in Olympic bobsledding history. Kaylee was asked to carry the Canadian flag at the closing ceremonies. Here she is describing that moment on Canadian television shortly after the 2014 Games. I was talking to Lizzie Arnold, the British 
uh, flag bearer. And so she's like, I think you wave it like a figure eight. And so I started doing that as I walked out, and then I started hitting other people's flags. And I was like, this is an epic fail. I was like, okay, don't do that. Thanks, Lizzie. Like, so all these things just go through your head as you're trying to smile and, you know, not trip. At the same time, you know, represent your countries. Flag-bearing form aside, it was a picture-perfect moment. A second straight win for the Golden Girls. That was the year that Kaylee won the Lou Marsh Award, which had previously gone to legendary Canadian athletes like Wayne Gretzky, Steve Nash, and in 1992, Mark Tewksbury. Canada was proud of Kaylee Humphreys, and by all accounts, she was proud to be Canadian. Kaylee had risen to the pinnacle of achievement in her sport, or rather, she had achieved just about everything that women could achieve in bobsled. At the time, men had two events at the Olympics, four-man and two-man bobsled, but women only had the one. As Kaylee explained to me, this wasn't some accident or oversight. Sexism, blatant, open sexism, is a feature, not a bug, of the bobsledding world. When I first got into bobsled, women didn't have the same prize money. We weren't allowed on all the same tracks as the men, and it was because we weren't skilled enough. Uh, we weren't good enough drivers. The whole quote-unquote women's driver thing comes up. The women before me used to get boxes of detergent as prizes. There was no prize money. A man wins a race, he gets prize money. A woman wins, and they hand her a box of detergent. I've been told we're not skilled enough, we're not strong enough, we're not fast enough. We're not allowed in the same start houses sometimes. You get a tent outside with a heater. And it's demoralizing, it's degrading to know that based on your gender. It was partly thanks to Kaylee's advocacy, as well as the fact that she just kept racking up medals, that the IBSF, that's the International Bobsled and Skeleton Federation, introduced mixed gender races in 2014. Later that year, back on her home track in Calgary, Kaylee became one of the first women to pilot a mixed-gender team to a medal, taking silver in a North American Cup race as Myers took bronze. Another major step forward for women in bobsledding has been the introduction of the monobob. As the name suggests, the monobob is a single-person bobsled. By now, it probably won't shock you to learn that as soon as the IBSF began holding monobob races, Kaylee Humphreys was winning them. Kaylee Humphreys, two-time Olympic champion, and now the first ever monobob world champion. That was Kaylee's gold medal run at the 2021 World Championships, which we mentioned at the top of the show. Earlier that week, also at the World Championships, Kaylee had won gold in the two-person event, along with teammate Lolo Jones. And yes, that's Lolo Jones, the Olympic hurdler. Lolo Jones, the American Olympic hurdler, turned bobsledder. Because by the time Kaylee won these gold medals, she had left Team Canada and joined Team USA. According to Kaylee, the trouble started in late 2017, when Bobsleigh Canada Skeleton, or BCS, the organization that runs Canada's official teams, hired a new coach. That coach was the American bobsledder, former kickboxing champ, and occasional ultimate fighter, Todd Hayes. According to Kaylee, under Hayes, things on Team Canada got dark fast. I was the most senior person on the Canadian bobsled team. And for that year, 
I felt less than human. I was told what to think, how to feel, how to act. Um, my teammates were pitted against me. If I didn't abide by the token rule or law, I was punished with removal of services. I was constantly humiliated, yelled at in front of officials, in front of media, in front of the world at the top of the bobsled track uh, because I was focusing on the wrong thing or because I acted or said something that the head coach didn't like. Kaylee had dealt with bullies before, but she told us that it became apparent to her very quickly that this was on another level. There aren't many people in the world who could physically intimidate Kaylee Humphreys, but Hayes was one of them. According to her, he pitted teammates against each other, berated them in public, and made them fear for their safety. Don't get me wrong, I, I fought as hard as I could in regards to standing up for myself, but there was points when I would go home and just cry, and I hated sport, I hated my life, I hated who I was, I doubted every second of every thought, and there was nothing I could do about it. If you stand up for yourself, if you say the wrong thing, maybe I'm going to get punched in the face. My head coach is, you know, over six feet tall, weighs 250 pounds, and comes from an ultimate fighting background. He's, you know, in the past broken other athlete jaws, and he's knocked people out. And to know that this person is lording over you, yelling and screaming at your face, there's not much you can do. You just have to take it. And I took a year worth of that. And inevitably, I said, enough's enough. I want to go home. I can't be here. And that was about a month before the Olympics. Kaylee found herself losing the will to compete or even to get up in the morning. In addition to depression, fear, and anxiety, she reported physical symptoms like hives, rashes, and loss of vision. Somehow, despite all of this, she made her third straight Olympic team, but the pain was overwhelming. Kaylee still managed to win the World Cup that year, coming in first in the overall standings, with three wins and two second-place finishes over eight races. She was on the cusp of defending her Olympic gold for the second time, something that no female bobsledder had done. But she describes that, at this point, life on her team had become a nightmare. Things came to a head when Kaylee and her team arrived in Pyeongchang for the 2018 Games. We got to the Olympics, and I said, I, I can't do it. I want nothing to do with this coach anymore. Everybody abided and said, okay, great. And that was, it was the best two weeks of my entire year. An article in the San Diego Tribune notes that Hayes and Kaylee had no contact during the 2018 Games. Kaylee and her teammate, Felicia George, won bronze in the two-woman event. It wasn't a third straight gold, but Kaylee said she's extremely proud of that medal. In many ways, it was the toughest one to earn. That felt like more than a gold medal, even to get to that point. And after the season, I knew that I could not continue in that environment, that I didn't feel safe physically, and that I didn't feel safe mentally to move forward. In August of 2018, Kaylee filed a harassment complaint against Hayes and the leadership of BCS. In the complaint, she wrote that she was verbally and mentally abused by Hayes. Kaylee also stated that Hayes played mind games and detailed the emotional and physical toll the abuse took on her. Sleepless nights, headaches, eye, neck, and jaw pain, irregular periods. She even provides four specific examples of Hayes' harassment. We won't get into them here for privacy reasons, but you can find the harassment complaint letter online. 
She also notes bobsleigh Canada skeleton's failure to take action. In the complaint, Kaylee also requested that Todd, along with several leaders at BCS who failed to act, be dismissed from their roles or subject to lifetime suspensions. Otherwise, Kaylee wanted off the team. BCS had Kaylee's claims investigated, and the initial results concluded in September 2019 that there was no evidence of harassment. Hayes kept his job. Kaylee's legal team immediately appealed the findings of the initial investigation, and just last July, a judge found the investigation to have been improperly conducted. He threw out the findings and ordered BCS to appoint a new investigator to look into her claims. We reached out to BCS for comment and received a statement back saying, a safe training and competitive environment for everyone involved in our sport is Bobsleigh Canada Skeleton's number one priority. Additionally, BCS spokesperson said, Bobsleigh Canada Skeleton has respected the confidentiality of the ongoing legal process relating to Ms. Humphreys since the beginning and will continue to do so out of respect to all parties involved until the ongoing reinvestigation is complete, at which time we will provide additional comment on the matter. Our team also reached out to Todd Hayes, but did not hear back by the time the episode was scheduled to air. Rewinding back to 2018, Kaylee had also sued BCS to release her from her contract. It took an entire year of legal wrangling and arbitration before Bobsleigh Canada skeleton finally granted Kaylee's request to be released in late September of 2019. The greatest female bobsledder in Canadian history left Team Canada. I left. I was not safe, and I knew I was not going to be safe in my environment, and they were not going to protect me, and I had to remove myself in order to move forward. And I knew that meant ending my career in Canada. I knew that meant that my career was over, and... I reached out to Team USA. Once she had been formally released by Team Canada, Kaylee was free to start competing for the US. To compete in the Olympics, you must be a fully-fledged citizen. But for competitions like the World Cup, athletes are free to compete for any country where they've established residency, a lower bar than citizenship. For Kaylee, joining Team USA was a no-brainer. Kaylee and Dan Humphreys had divorced, and in 2016, she moved to California. In September 2019, she married Travis Armbruster, an American former bobsledder. Kaylee was a resident of the United States. She was married to a U.S. citizen. And now that she was free from BCS, she could sign with whatever team she wanted. Kaylee began competing with Team USA right away. She didn't get special treatment. She had to buy a sled, go through qualifications, and earn a spot. But she was still Kaylee Humphreys. She made the team, and by early 2020, she'd won a gold medal at the World Championships. She says she felt supported in a way that she hadn't before. I mean, singing the national anthem for the first time, the Star Spangled Banner. And I already knew the words from baseball games, from just being around, and plus I studied. So um, knowing the words, but knowing I wasn't singing alone, my teammates were there. Kaylee certainly felt American, but according to Article 41 of the Olympic Charter, you have to be a citizen, actually have a passport, in order to represent a country in the Olympics. Kaylee had an American husband, an American address, and a spot on Team USA, but she didn't have that passport. She applied for it, but as Kaylee explained, it can take anywhere from 9 to 12 months to be called in for an interview. And she began this process with a major disadvantage. 
it's really going to suck if I can't compete at a games because of timing on a passport, especially the reasons of why I couldn't have applied earlier because Canada postponed my release for a year. They denied my release. They refused to release me for competitive reasons. And I had to sue them to take them to court to get a release. And literally the high performance director said in public that they didn't want to compete against me and wouldn't release me. In Kaylee's view, not only did BCS not believe her accusations, they put off releasing her for as long as they could to keep her from representing a new country at the Olympics. At the end of the day, Kaylee is a person who wants to do her job, a fierce, world-class athlete who lives for competition. They couldn't apply in the U.S. side until all of the Canada stuff was done and to know that there was an intentional political move played by people that are lawyers and have the ability to, and I'm just an athlete trying to just compete. The debate about athletes being able to switch Olympic teams goes back a long time, and it's not all so fraught. There are some simple scenarios, like dual nationals. If you have multiple citizenships, you can basically pick which country you'd like to represent. Two passports, two options. That's how Ian Kinsler, a four-time Major League Baseball All-Star born in Tucson, Arizona, was able to play for Israel in the baseball events at the Tokyo Games in 2021. In some cases, athletes make the switch because of forces beyond their control. When Guar Mariel, a Sudanese marathon runner who lost 28 members of his family in that country's civil war, qualified for the 2012 Olympics, he had no desire to represent Sudan. So when he competed in London, he didn't represent any nation. He competed under the Olympic flag. Triple jumper Yamilia Aldama is another interesting example. Born in Havana, she placed fourth in the triple jump at Sydney in 2000, representing Cuba. The following year, she married a Scot and moved with him to Great Britain, but she was told she'd have to wait three years for her passport. But due to some strange circumstances, plus a whole lot of bureaucracy, it ended up taking a decade for Aldama to receive her British passport. And while it took Aldama 10 years to become a British citizen, many nations are not so stingy. Case in point, Qatar, a tiny nation with a lot of money to spend on sports. In recent years, Qatar has drawn criticism for paying players with no Qatari background to join their Olympic squads. Its 2016 Olympic handball team featured names like Daniel Sarek, a native of Bosnia with a decorated handball career in Europe, and Bertrand Ruin, who had previously competed at the international level for France. To many observers, this was absurd. It didn't help that the Qatar Handball Association had already been caught paying Spanish fans to attend their games. Qatar may be the most notorious example, but this kind of thing happens a lot. Azerbaijan has allegedly offered athletes $500,000 to accept a passport and compete for them at the Olympics. Kaylee herself told me that she's fielded offers from countries with which she has no connection. China came to me, hey, we'll give you a passport in two days. And I'm like, yeah, cool, but uh, no thanks. Like, 
I don't want to compete for you. I have no ties to China. It doesn't make sense. Italy offered. I had a couple teams that phoned and I'm like, no, that doesn't that doesn't feel right. It doesn't make sense. You can see why people have strong reactions to stories like these. It sounds like a violation of something sacred about the Olympics. The idea of competing for your country, for national pride. But then again, who's really to say what country any one person belongs to? As stories like Kaylee's show, there are all manner of reasons why someone might want to make the switch. And obviously it's possible to be a proud citizen of more than one nation. Beyond that, is it really that important that everyone in the Olympics be competing for the quote-unquote right country? For many, the games are all about watching the best of the best, the cream of our planet's athletic talent rising to the top. Maybe it should be as simple as letting the best players and teams into the Olympics, regardless of which flag they're waving. Take the example of Xu Xin, who was the third-ranked table tennis player in China in 2012. He also happened to be ranked number three in the world. But because each country was limited to two players in the singles table tennis event, Xu Xin didn't make the Chinese team. He was only selected as an alternate. As a result, the third best player on Earth wasn't able to compete in the Olympics. What are the Olympics if they don't let the world's top athletes compete? Consider this, a direct quote from the Olympic Charter. The Olympic Games are competitions between athletes in individual or team events and not between countries. This argument has been going on for a long time. It resurfaces in one way, shape, or form every two years. And the issue is only going to get more relevant as globalization brings us all closer together, as boundaries melt and blur, and as climate change forces more and more people to seek shelter in lands far away from where they were born. But for Kaylee Humphreys, those questions are all secondary. When we spoke, she was only focused on two things, getting to compete in Beijing and preventing what has happened to her from happening to those who come after her. And what I hope in the future is that no athlete ever finds themselves in this situation or they they don't stay in abusive environments or harassing environments for fear that they won't go to the Olympics. And I think that happens a lot. A lot of athletes put up with a lot of stuff that they shouldn't because it will end their career. Um, nobody should be forced to stay in an environment they don't feel safe in. Nobody. Kaylee wants the IOC to take steps to help athletes who want to switch teams because of circumstances like the ones on Team Canada. She wants athletes to have options, better options, than choosing between an abusive environment and the end of their Olympic dreams. And she wants to keep chasing hers. I live in this country. I will raise my family in this country. I love this country. It is who I want to represent. And I think at the Olympics... That's what we should want, the best of the best representing their country to the best of their ability, and it is what the country should be able to produce. When I spoke to Kaylee about her career and this ordeal, the Beijing Winter Games were three months away. For Kaylee, three months of training and three months of waiting, hoping that she would get that notification from U.S. immigration. I'm not above every other person in this earth that's trying to gain American citizenship right now and has their application in. And so um, I want to believe that it will happen and that the timing is right. And I have to have faith in the U.S. immigration system, in 
you know, God and the path and everything that, that has happened. Faith in the process and strength. Strength is something Kaylee Humphreys has never been short of. From childhood to now, no matter what the circumstances. It hasn't always felt like the easiest choice, I will admit. It it definitely, there have been times when I'm like, did I do the right thing? Like, and more so just from like the Olympic side of me and the thought process and as athletes and as, you know, you, you chase this goal and this dream and what if I don't achieve it? But there's a dignity piece. I preach so hard about anti-bullying and how it has no place and I have my entire life attached to, you know, standing up for who you are, for what you believe in, and not being willing to compromise, to bend, because somebody else thinks that that should be the way. And so overall, I knew when my time was over with Canada, I, I, there was something inside of me that just said, like, you have to practice what you preach. I can't say you need to, you know, put your dignity and be able to have respect and and stand up against bullies in the system. Adult bullies that are gonna treat people or athletes certain ways and abuse the power and the process that they have. And I needed to say something and make a stance and I risked myself and my career to do it. Um, And I've had to fight real hard to not let that be the end and to be okay. When we ended that call three months ago, Kaylee's fate for Beijing was hanging in the balance. Okay, well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, say all the prayers. Appreciate it. Then, on December 2nd, she got some incredible news. Her citizenship application had been reviewed. She was approved. Finally, Kaylee received her U.S. passport. The Beijing Olympics are happening right now. Kaylee is there, competing in red, white, and blue. Torched is a production of Film Nation Entertainment in association with Gilded Audio. It's executive produced by me, Molly Bloom, Alyssa Martino, Milan Papelka, Andy Chug, and Whitney Donaldson. Nikki Stein produced and edited this episode with help from Michael Quigley. It was written by Stephen Wood. Technical direction and engineering by Nick Dooley. Original music by James Lavino. Special thanks to Allison Cohen, Sarah Vacchiano, Matt Azenstadt, and Omar Tarbush. Next time on Torched, why would an Olympic athlete want to lose a competition on purpose? We get some hints from the surprisingly sketchy side of badminton. As a sport, we just lose the, the credibility. Uh, we, we cheat all the fans. Uh, it just makes it very difficult for the sport to grow. Be cheating everyone in the world of badminton. That's next time on Torched. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. See you next time. <laughs>